Welcome to Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We'd like to thank you for downloading this podcast and hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by the Word of God. The first session tonight, all about greatness. Greatness. Or becoming great in the eyes of the Lord or greatness through process. This word was given to me a couple of years ago when I was in Namibia, actually in Windhoek, the capital of Namibia, used to be called Southwest Africa before independence. I was there ministering and uh, to um, a certain church, pastors uh, over there that we are connected to, related to, they relate to us. We give them oversight and uh, early one morning as I got up to prepare, the Lord gave me this word concerning greatness. And ever since then, the Lord had been adding on to that revelation. And here we are tonight. I've written a book on it, a little booklet on it, Greatness Through Process. You will bless yourself and others to get a copy of it. And if you've read it, get about 10 copies and bless others with it as well. So, now, The purpose of this seminar is to help us understand God's definition of greatness, the essence of greatness, as well as look at the process God takes us through in order to release greatness in us and through us. I personally believe with all my heart that Father God has imparted the seed of greatness in everyone who is born of his spirit. There is a seed of greatness in you because you are born of God. The Bible says we have the nature, the life, Zoe, of God within our spirits. So, greatness is part of our nature. Because we have partaken of the nature of God. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We all have the potential to become great in the sight of the Lord. But not all of us somehow achieve greatness. We do have the potential. We do have the capacity. But not all of us achieve greatness. In the eyes of God, that is. Let's read a verse of scripture here from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1. Actually, three verses from verse 14 through to 17. We're going to look at the person of John the Baptist, primarily. We're going to um, look at it closely and see what made him great. Because the Bible says, actually the word of the Lord said, He shall be great in the eyes of the Lord. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. Now the angel of the Lord is giving this prophetic utterance to Zacharias before the birth of John the Baptist, his son. 
And many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That is a prophetic utterance concerning the child that was to be born to Elizabeth and Zacharias. Let me make some opening statements. If you're taking notes, you're welcome to, or get the book. Actually, there's more in the book that I'm going to share with you tonight. No one is born great. You are not born great. Even concerning John the Baptist, he said, he shall be great in the eyes of the Lord. But everyone is born with the seed of greatness in them. Born with a potential to become great in their sphere of influence or in their sphere of authority. That's where your greatness lies. In your sphere where you have been authorized to function, to work, and to exercise your gifts and talents. You may not be a preacher or a pastor, but greatness is not just for preachers and pastors and fivefold ministers. Greatness belongs to you. It is part of your nature. Whether God has called you to be a teacher of the word of God. Whether God has called you to be a bus driver. Or a bookkeeper. Or a salesman. Or a businesswoman. Or even a mother. Hello. Or a father. Amen. It's great to be a great father. Wow. Praise the Lord. Now, I believe that every believer born of the Lord has an inward desire from God to do great and wonderful things in God and through God. We have that. That's an inborn desire that the Lord himself put in inside of our spirits. I know that we look up to people that we admire in the body of Christ whose lives have borne much fruit and wonder whether our lives will ever be as fruitful as theirs. I'm here to tell you tonight, yes, you can be fruitful. You can be a blessing to many people. You can be great in your sphere of influence because it is the desire, I believe, and the will of God for every person born on this planet, born again or not born again. Amen? Amen. I really believe that. That's the nature of God. Now, when we get born again, of course, then we are well on the way. I do believe that God wants to see greatness displayed, expressed, and released through his people. And then govern and influence every sphere of life and society. The Bible tells us that the whole creation awaits eagerly for what? 
What is this creation waiting? What is this planet waiting for? Groaning under the curse. They are anxiously waiting for the revelation or the manifestation of the sons of God. So the sons of the living God, not the children, the sons, the mature sons of God, could rise up and begin to govern this earth the way God governs heaven. Amen. That is the will of God. And everything that is out of shape, out of order, void of life, we meant to bring it back into divine order, divine alignment with God's will and with God's purpose. That's why God left you on the earth and left me on the earth and didn't take us home to sweep by and by the moment you got born again. Why? Because he has a purpose and a destiny for your life. And until you discover that purpose and connect with your purpose in life, you will live life as an empty person without meaning. Without joy, without life, without love. Wondering why in the world you're here for. Getting up in the morning feeling depressed and oppressed. Why? Because perhaps you have not connected yet with a sense of destiny and a sense of purpose. God has a wonderful destiny for every single one of us. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's why God left us here. We are supposed to be representatives or ambassadors of Christ here on the earth. And we are to govern not just spiritually, but even politically and socially and judicially and educationally. God wants to have sons in every sphere of life and society so that he can steer this planet Back to its original position and state. You know, Jesus died to redeem us. And we we rejoice about it and we thank God for that. But I want to tell you something. He didn't just die to redeem you and I. He died to redeem all things. All things. Amen. He shed his blood so that all things be restored back to divine order. And God will not be satisfied until that happens. Now, let me give you God's definition of greatness. Because it's very different from the world's definition of greatness. It is not the same as the world's definition. I know that the world calls great someone who has managed to achieve great things for himself. And by himself. Onassis was like that. He was admired by the world as a great man. Because as an immigrant from Asia Minor came to Greece. And he literally built an empire. By himself. The wealth that he amassed and the, and the things that he had done was incredible. Now in the eyes of the world, such a man is considered to be a great man. I mean, another one from history. They're both Greeks. I'm Greek, by the way. Alexander the Great. Now he conquered the known world. And he imposed his own culture, his own language. 
right throughout the territory that he has conquered. He's called great, and he was great in the eyes of the world, but he conquered through the sword. He imposed his culture. He imposed. Now, God's kingdom does not work this way. Now, those are great people in the eyes of the world, what the world considers great. Amen? But God's definition of greatness is different, and I'm going to give it to you. Greatness in the eyes of the Lord is measured by our ability to inspire and to influence others towards God and His purposes. I want to say that again. That's why John the Baptist was great in the eyes of the Lord because the Bible says he shall turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord they go. By his ministry, by his by his calling, by the virtue of the anointing that rested upon him, he was able to turn an entire nation back to God and prepare the way of the Lord. Now there is not one noted miracle in John's ministry, but he raised a dead nation. Yes. Yes. Amen? Amen. So, God's definition of greatness is the ability to influence others towards God through your life, through your ministry, through your example, and toward His purposes. Yes. Let me say this to you. In the eyes of the Lord, the greatness of a person's life is not measured by the wealth he possesses, by the position he holds, by the degrees or the diplomas he holds, or the status he has achieved, but by his servant heart. God measures the greatness of a person's life by how many people he serves, and how well he serves them. Why? Why does God see things like that? Because the greatness of a person's life is not measured by duration, but by donation. Now these are words of ancient wisdom. That's how God measures greatness. Mother Teresa said once that one of the greatest diseases in the world is being nobody to anybody. The great disease in the world is being nobody to anybody. God's greatness is found in what you do for others. While you and I live our life here on the earth, exercising our God-given gifts and talents through our life's assignment. That is God's definition of a person, of a man or a woman who is great in the eyes of the Lord. They've invested their lives to serve God and to serve other people and influence them by their example, by their ministry, or inspire them. I recall when I was very young in the Lord, just a few months, I attended a seminar in a Baptist church. They had a guest speaker. And after this guest speaker has finished speaking, I was so inspired. 
I went home, I locked myself in my prayer closet and I said, Lord, help me. Help me inspire others this way. Turn the heart somehow back to you, back to God to worship the one true God. His ministry and the anointing that he carried was so wonderful and so powerful that my heart and my soul were stirred up to surrender completely my life to Christ. John the Baptist, the Bible says, became great in the sight of the Lord because his life and ministry turned many of the children of Israel back to the Lord their God. Listen to how scripture defines greatness in relation to John the Baptist. Luke 1.14 He will turn many hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just in order to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So, repeating again, repetition is good, is the mother of learning. I mean, Jesus did the same thing. Again, I say it unto you. Again, I say unto you. And he kept saying the same thing again. Why? Because he wanted his disciples to get it. Not in the head, but in the hearts. The ability to influence others towards God and his purposes is called greatness in the eyes of the Lord. Daniel chapter 12 verse 3 says, Those who lead many people to righteousness will shine like the stars forever and ever. Oh my God. Those who lead many people to righteousness will shine like the stars, not for a season, not for a while, not for a decade, or forever and ever. Amen? Amen. That's definition, God's definition of a person who's great. Now we're going to talk about the essence of greatness. The essence of greatness. The flavor of greatness. And I believe that the essence of greatness is a word called authenticity. Authenticity. And in order to achieve greatness in the eyes of the Lord, one has to be authentic. What does the word authentic mean? It means, first of all, to be real. It means to be genuine, or I like this other word, it means to be authorized. Authorized. You know, we have many unauthorized people in the world today. They're not authorized to function in a certain area, but they still do. In some African countries, you will find unauthorized car mechanics on the side of the road. You can take your car to service it very cheap. But you don't know what kind of car you're going to get back. I like to take my car to authorized dealers. Stamp them when they service them. No cheap things. It it costs, but I know that when I drive that car on the road, it's safe, it's sound, it's properly serviced. Amen? So, to be authentic is to be real, to be genuine, and to be authorized. The opposite is fake, false, unreal, or unauthorized. 
That's the essence of greatness. The authentic person is reliable. You know why? Because the inner values and motivations are very clear. So, listen to this. The essence of every person's greatness is found in their authenticity. That means, listen to this, that means being who God created you to be and doing exactly what God created you to do. That's an authentic person. He's not trying to be someone else. He's not trying to mimic someone else. An authentic person will always learn from other people, but he will never become or copy other people. He's himself. There's only one of a kind. When God made you, he threw away them all. He made every single one of us an original copy. An original being, not a, not a copy of someone else. And I, I see some pastors, especially in Africa. You know T.D. Jakes. Everybody wants to be a T.D. Jake. They even hold the hanky, they wipe the face, and they preach like him, and they walk like him. You know? You know, it just, when I see, I just turn on the, I turn off the TV. I don't want to see cheap copies. I want to see originals. Amen? Amen. So, it's being who God created you to be and doing what God created you to be. It is also being comfortable with yourself and the way God wired you and gifted you. That's an authentic person. So we need to come to the place in our attitude where we do not only accept ourselves the way God made us, but we actually like ourselves. Amen? Amen. I like who I am. I don't want to be anybody else. I don't have issues with myself. I like my own company too. And I talk to myself often. I have good fellowship with myself. Amen? You laugh, but you know, the most unhappy and depressed people in the world are people who don't like themselves. They don't love themselves. Now, if you don't learn to love yourself the way God loves you, how are you going to love other people? Amen? Amen? The Word of God says, Oh, but indeed, O man, in Romans 9.20, Who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Amen? Now, John the Baptist was an original human being. And far from being a copy or an echo of someone else's message or ministry. You know, one day I was praying, really fervently praying, and the Lord stopped me because he wanted to to give me this revelation. He said, son, most of my preachers and teachers are echoes of another man's message. They haven't found their voice. They haven't found their mandate. They haven't found their authority. They haven't come into their own. So they listen to a tape and they mimic what the other preachers say. They steal another man's words and make them their own. So they are echoes of another man's message, another man's voice, another man's ministry. I was shocked when I heard that. Hello? So John the Baptist 
was unique in every sense of the word. The guy didn't even know how to eat. There were locusts hanging out of his mouth. He wasn't bothered about it. He was unique in his diet. He was unique in his appearance. He didn't even know how to dress. And he was unique in his message. He said, when they asked him, who are you? He knew exactly who he was. And guess where he found himself? He found himself in the scriptures. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path. He was so accustomed to hearing the Lord's voice. When they asked him, who are you? He said, I'm the voice. <laughs> I'm the voice. It's wonderful to see someone who's discovered his own identity and authority and just walks in it. I mean, you can walk into the room and if you come into your own, people will stop to pay attention to you without you saying a word. There is a presence that we carry when we come into our own authority. He said, I'm the voice. This was his assignment from God and his life's purpose. His entire life and ministry was... To, to prepare the way of the Lord. He was dedicated to prepare the hearts to receive the Lord Jesus. He was an authentic person in the multitude of hypocrites and copies. That's why he was so effective. People would walk for miles to flock to his ministry. Because he was an authentic person. I believe that when people come to terms with who they are in Christ. And what they are called to do. I believe they become very influential. In leading others to God in his purposes. Only when, when you come to terms with your own identity. You don't try to be someone else. The lives always touch others and they impart to them a fragrance and a unique and a genuine flavor because they are authentic. I, I watched an individual to do her work at the Hampton Inn a couple of years ago where I was staying during my visit to the USA. And I said to myself, as I watched this woman, you know, I came down to have breakfast and she was full of smiles and, you know, she had a cloth in her hand. She was cleaning the tables. Good morning. And there was a swing in her step. And she loved what she was doing. I stopped. It, it made a tremendous impact. And I said, now there's a unique person. There's an authentic person. I just, there was such an attractiveness about her in the spirit that she was charging the atmosphere. She changed the whole atmosphere with a cleaning cloth in her hand and a smile on her face. I stopped and I watched. I, I wanted to go up to her and just give her that compliment, but then I, I didn't have enough courage to do it. But she blessed me the way she did her work. It was like she belonged there. She was made for that. And by watching her, it blessed my heart. Amen? Amen? It's true. When you get into that, into your own, whatever God has called you to do, 
Whatever assignment He's given you, and you know that that is from God, and that's why God has called you and created you and purposed for you to do, man, there's an attractiveness about you. There's a unique fragrance that you release by just being who you are and doing what God created you to do. We, we must become, every single one of us, a voice, not just an echo. A voice. I believe that God has given you and me and every person in Christ a unique and an authentic voice of authority in our generation. And we have to find that. We cannot rest until we find it. Now that authority that God has blessed you with is released and exercised through many, many different ways, depending on the person's calling, gifting, anointing, and abilities. The way I express and release my authority is not the same like my wife releases her authority. I'm a mouth. She's the hands. She's an administrator. She's an accountant. She's a bookkeeper. Without her, I would be lost. But that's how she releases her authority. And my God, better not step into her sphere of authority. And I tried it. Now I, I try and stay away. He says, eh, eh, that's not your department. That's mine. She puts me back into my sphere of authority. <laughs> Those who come to Christ and into their own authority. Find the true voice in the Lord, I believe. And we must find our true voice in the Lord. As they begin to exercise their authority in the sphere of influence, lives are being touched and blessed through them. They become such a great blessing to those. The way I can express it is like a sheer joy and pleasure watching someone do what they were born to do and live the way God intended them to live. Yes. Can I describe to you what it's like? I believe it's like a song that is sung by the most talented singer. Or a beautiful poem that is read by the most gifted and talented reader. It blesses people. It releases a fragrance so unique. So we have a quest. We must find no matter how long it takes, we've got to find our own authority in the Lord. And we've got to stay within the sphere of our authority. I say that because the danger of becoming someone else, rather than who you really are, will always be there. Always be there. The temptation to be someone else. The danger to be someone else. Especially if you are ignorant of your own identity in Christ. If you don't know who you are, you can be anybody. Trying to fit here. You know, experimenting life rather than living life. You know, God didn't call us to experiment here. He wants you to live your life. The life that He intended for you. He wants you to find your sphere of authority, your voice, and begin to govern and to exercise that authority that God has given. Whatever that gifting might be. Amen? And also, 
to lose ourselves and become others, what others want us to be, it's also a path that we must avoid. Sometimes pressure, pressure, especially from parents wanting their children to be a certain way. Even from husbands and wives. We've got to release one another. I remember in my early years of ministry and married to my wife, I knew she went through a struggle to release me. That was a battle. He is mine. He's my husband. Now he's traveling all over the world. She had to fight a great battle to come to the place where she can release me to be who I am. And it was a sacrifice. Because I had to be away from home, sometimes six weeks at a time, four weeks at a time. She would stay back with the children, look after the children, raise the children, look after the business. Because we were not always in the ministry full time. So we need to release one another to be who God has called them to be. And not try to change them or to mold them into our own mold and what we think they should be. This also in a relationship of husband and wife. Parents need to release the children. Pastors and leaders need to recognize the gifting and the callings and the great destinies they are in the people they shepherd. And they should make room for them. And encourage them and empower them. And help them along the way to become what God has called them to be. Not just lock them in a cage. And make them what we want them to be. But who God has called them to be. That is a true leader. That is a true shepherd. Wanting to see his flock. Become all that God has destined. And ordained everyone to be. And to invest his life in helping. In making room for them. That's, that's what a true leader is. Amen. Releasing one another. And helping one another find their own voice of authority. I remember with my spiritual son Michael who now pastors the church with my daughter. He was a salesman. He was in business. He was in the market. But I could see the gift of God upon him. The call of God and the anointing. When he picked up that guitar, that anointing was all over him. I I could see in him a destiny. I could see in him a teacher, a lecturer, a preacher. So it was my responsibility and my call from God to call that forth. And to bring it out. As I saw prophetically in him what God has called him. And now he's in the ministry. And he's a wonderful son in the Lord. But I had to coach him. I had to point him in the right. That's what fathers do. Amen. Amen. I recall my own process of discovery and illumination. Uh, and, and, and later on the path on which God has put me on in order to help me find my own authority. I was reading the scriptures. I was only a few months in the Lord. But I hungered for the word of God. As I was reading those scriptures. One day the Holy Spirit just arrested my heart when I read this portion of scripture. A new child will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge of salvation. And my heart just stopped. It was like God took a brand 
and just branded that in. I knew that I knew that I knew that even though I was in business, the day is coming when I would serve the Lord in the ministry. And later on, other scriptures, they would, they would just, God would just illuminate those scriptures. What was he doing? He was revealing to me who God called me to be and what God called me to do. While I was a businessman. So there had to be a transition taking place. And God put me on a path after that in order to bring me to the place where I was to the place where I should be. I recall, I'm telling you, it takes a lot of patience. It takes a lot of patience. Here I was, being in business, running a supermarket with my wife, and my heart was out there preaching. You know what it feels like? It feels like you're in prison. And said, where, Lord, where are, when are you going to open up this prison and let me loose? I felt like an eagle that was caged in, in a little cage. Here I'm doing the work of a businessman, ordering dresses and things and that. And, and, and here my heart was out there. Preaching. And it felt very restricted. And years after God called me, I went through different phases. From an evangelist to a pastor. And then from a pastor to a traveling ministry that I'm doing today. While I was pastoring the church, I felt like trapped again. I said, when will, when will this verse of scripture come to pass? Lord. One day I went to fast for several days and I cried out to the Lord and I, and then God spoke to me and says, when you're in your fifties, you're going to experience the greatest release of your ministry. That I had to wait for years. Amen. But we must find our voice of authority. We must discover our own greatness. And your greatness lies Within your sphere that God has allotted to you. Now that sphere is small, but if you're faithful, he will take you from one level to the next, to the next. Amen. Amen. So far we've described God's definition of greatness. We've looked at the essence of greatness. And we've looked at, at being a person who discovers its own voice and its own authority. I want to challenge you tonight in this seminar. Have you really discovered who you are? Are you functioning? Or are you well on that way? In the place that God has called you. There's nothing more depressing than watching an unauthorized person do what they're not supposed to do. Or what they're not authorized to do. Amen? Amen. For more information about Alpha and Omega Ministries International, please visit our website on www.alphaomegaint.org.za or call our office in Cape Town, South Africa on 021-939-3196. God bless you.